You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Well, welcome. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I am, uh, I'm told in true, thanks Tim, in true Christmas Eve fashion that there's no room in the inn and there's some folks standing in the back, so sorry about that. Uh, if you could move in and uh, if it creates some space at the end of your row, maybe you could lift your hand, the ushers will be able to see you and they could direct someone who could, uh, who could get a seat. Also, I want to let you know that uh, your kids are obviously welcome. This is going to be not a Sunday morning sermon length, but um, if you want to let them spread their wings a bit, we do have a large room open in the uh, children's ministry area with a live stream, so you could uh, you could be there, take them there if you would like. You'd, you'd need to be with them, uh, but you're welcome to do that. Well, if we're not met, my name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I just want to echo what's already been communicated here and, and wish you a Merry Christmas, and thank you so much for joining us uh, this Christmas Eve for tonight's service. Well, have you taken in the uh, Frisco Square Christmas lights this year? Uh, it's synchronized music and lights. Uh, half the room's new from California, so I want to let you know about this, uh, that it's just right out here. And every Christmas, there is uh, a dazzling light show uh, with music uh, synchronized together. If you have been, then you're one of 750,000 people this year that will drive through or walk through the Christmas lights display here in Frisco Square. There are 180,000 lights out there. There are 10 miles of wiring for the lights. And if you can believe this, this is a nightmare. There are eight miles of extension cords. So I have one orange 50-foot extension cord in my garage, and I cannot keep that thing untangled. I cannot imagine whose job it is to untangle eight miles of uh, extension cords. So this has been going on a number of years. I remember the first time Ginger and I, our family, went through it about 17 years ago. So our kids grew up driving through the light show and seeing that. I've walked it. I've driven it countless times over the years. And yet in recent years, it has become very familiar to me. It's not a dazzling choreographed light show anymore. Uh, For my wife, Ginger, and I live here in Frisco Square. I work here in Frisco Square. And so the lights now are just in the background of my life. They are, well, just not very amazing to me anymore. Last year, I did not even drive through or walk through and see them. They've just sort of faded in the background. And so they've become the neighborhood lights that are just common to me now. What once was brilliant and amazing is now just very familiar and something that goes on for other people to enjoy. I don't even notice it anymore. The tradition of Christmas lights probably began in the 16th century in Germany when trees were brought into the house and candles were placed on those trees to bring light. And the reason is because uh, the biblical story of Christmas is about light invading the darkness. That's the message. And so the tradition began to have light, beginning with candlelight, at Christmas time. 
So growing familiar with a light show in Frisco Square, that's certainly no big deal at all. But to grow familiar with the light of Christmas, well, that would be tragic. And it's my concern for myself and and for you that we often can just take the light of Christmas and it just runs in the background like Christmas music at the mall, something that we don't really pay attention to. And tonight, I, wanna, I, I want us to pay attention to the message of light and Christmas. You see, the, uh, the Old Testament prophecies that foretell Christ's coming, they talk a lot about light. People in darkness saw a light. The Christmas story itself, especially in Luke 2, is all about light, lighting up the sky, announcing the glory of God in the message of Christmas. And tonight I want to read a section at the end of Luke 1. These are the last verses before the Christmas uh, story in Luke 2. This is the edge of Christmas, really Christmas Eve, the edge of Christmas, the last verses before uh, the coming of Jesus. And it's found in Luke uh, Luke 1, verses 76 through 79, uh, a priest named Zechariah is speaking here, and he is uh, giving a prophetic message about his son, who is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist's role uh, in announcing the coming of Jesus. And this is what the prophecy said, the very last verses before the Christmas story. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. He's speaking of John the Baptist's role. And then he turns to Christ. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The prophecy says that John the Baptist will come and announce salvation, which is the forgiveness of sins, it says. And then he speaks of Jesus. Look in the middle of that passage. He speaks of Jesus when he turns and says, because of the tender mercy of God. The tender mercy of God. This is the motive of Christmas, that God is moved by indescribably deep compassion to come to us. It's described, his coming is described with this metaphor. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. So the picture is that God sees people sitting in darkness. And the darkness is the shadow of death, the passage says, over us. And into that, he brings a sunrise. And that sunrise is the coming of Jesus to bring light to us in our darkness. In the storyline of the Bible, God's people have waited for centuries for this sunrise, the coming of the Messiah to bring light into the darkness. Now, if you start at the beginning of the Bible and read the storyline of the Bible, you'll see that, that it wasn't always dark. In the beginning, God created a perfect world with Adam and Eve. They lived in a world of light with no sorrow, no suffering, no sin. It was a perfect world. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God a perfect relationship with one another. They had a perfect relationship with their environment. There was no hint of darkness in their world. They flourished, absolutely flourished. But then they chose to rebel against God. Rather than serve God, they wanted to be their own gods. And when they disobeyed God, everything changed. Their relationship with God was fractured, cut off. Their relationship with one another was broken, 
and they traded light for darkness. And that's the world that we live in now, a world of darkness. Now, certainly we can look around and see good people doing good things, especially at this time of the year. But if we're honest, I think we would all acknowledge that we live in a world that is not as it should be. We live in a world that's broken. And if we're really honest, we'd look into our own lives and realize that we're not really what we should be and that we are broken as well. Think about the darkness in the world around us. We live in a, in a world of darkness, a world of hatred, a world of war, a world of prejudice, a world of political corruption, a world with abuse of all kinds. Think about our own culture, a world of mass shootings, uh, a, a world that is uh, a country that is deeply divided with people making sharp, angry judgments about one another. We live in a world in a country with an opioid crisis. We, we, we live in a world in the shadow of death. That is the world we live in, and we all know that to be true. It says we live in the shadow of death. Death is the ultimate darkness. Ask anyone gathered here tonight who will be celebrating their first Christmas without a loved one who died in 2022. And they'll tell you that there is a, the darkness of death, the, the pain of grief in a world where it's not the way it should be. It's not the way it was created to be. We, we see darkness in our own lives as well, don't we? We know loneliness. We know fear and depression. We know anger and selfishness and unforgiveness. We know materialism tends to poke its head up this time of year. We know lust and cynicism and all types of greed. And rather than look to God in our darkness, we look for more darkness. We look for escapes and we chase things. We overspend. We overwork. We overeat. We overindulge to bring some kind of comfort to ourselves in the emptiness of the darkness. We turn to alcohol or drugs or to porn, places that we chase to find some answer for the emptiness in our hearts. And what we do is we chase darkness to fill our darkness, and we find ourselves in greater darkness. And yet God sees us in our darkness, and this passage says he comes to us with the most glorious image imaginable, a sunrise. What is more beautiful than a sunrise? He comes by sending his son, Jesus. And it's so important to get this. He says he comes to people in darkness. Jesus doesn't come for people who have it all together. Jesus doesn't say, get your act together, and then you'll qualify to experience the sunrise. Absolutely not. He just comes to people who are in darkness, those who will admit their darkness, who long for real light in their lives. And like a glorious sunrise, the tender mercy of God breaks into the darkness of the world in the coming of Jesus. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, he brings true light to a dark world. He teaches the truth. He pursues the marginalized. He healed the sick, delivered the demonized. He loved the poor. He honored women and welcomed children in a world that did neither. He rebuked legalism 
and he showered mercy upon everyone that he encountered. Into a world of brokenness comes this perfect Savior bringing light to all who would receive him. And then at the end of his life, he dies on a cross, and he actually takes our darkness upon himself. The Bible says that he bears our sins upon himself. That this, when Jesus dies on the cross, the sky actually darkens above him as he dies as our substitute. And then three days later, he crushes the darkness when from the dead he is risen, overpowering Satan, sin, and death. And tonight, this many years later, he is still the sunrise dawning upon regular, messed up people who don't have their act together, like me and like you. He, he comes to us in our darkness, giving us new life, inviting us to believe in the hope of Christmas that God has come to us in our darkness to give us light. And it's not just some kind of vague, generic, uh, impersonal light. He is God himself. The Bible says he is Emmanuel, God with us, who comes, the last verse here says, he comes to guide our feet in the way of peace. This word is powerful in the Bible. The word peace is, is not just an absence of conflict or maybe some kind of inner tranquility. This is, the word shalom is the Hebrew word. And it means, it means flourishing. It means life as it was meant to be lived. It means well-being, total well-being. So he comes to lead us in the way of total well-being. Once we meet Jesus, little by little, our lives uh, experience this shalom. And one day, he will return, bringing a new heaven and new earth. And utter shalom will reign over all. There will be no more darkness As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no sun, for the light of Christ will light everything up with his his dazzling holiness will light all. Scripture says that we will be in his presence and he will light everything. You know, if you came here and you feel the darkness in your own life, then the good news is that Jesus offers himself to you. There's sunrise available to you, the dawn of a a new day for your life. And and all you need to do to receive that is to receive Jesus himself, to, to turn from your sin and to acknowledge that he is, in fact, God, that he came at this time at Christmas as a baby, grew up and lived a perfect life, revealed God to us and died in our place, rose on the third day to forgive us of our sins to make all things new, to lead us in the way of peace. And you can receive him tonight by simply acknowledging your need. He comes to those who recognize the darkness, not only of the world, but in our own hearts and lives, and he gives us new life. If you've already seen the sunrise, if you've already met Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't grow familiar with the light of Christmas. It's easy to be dazzled, by a light show, and then see it fade in to just the common. May Jesus never become common to us. This Christmas Eve, look again at his tender mercy and realize you sat in utter darkness with the shadow of death looming over your life, and the sun came to bring you light and life and to rescue you for all eternity. May the sunrise capture your vision with the glory of Christ this Christmas. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this great news that all of us were in darkness. Our world is in darkness, but you didn't leave us in darkness. You came to us, our Savior, to rescue us by bringing light, to to give us the light of life, to show us the truth, to come into the darkness of our ignorance and give us the true message that you've come to rescue us, to come into the darkness of our rebellion when we were going the opposite way and calling us to yourself, to come into the darkness under the shadow of death and give us new life, eternal life. So we thank you for that truth and that reality tonight. We pray for anyone here who may not know you. Lord, we ask your light to dawn on their hearts, granting them new life. And for those who do know you, Lord, we pray that you would show us the beauty of your tender mercy, your deep compassion for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.